0: Fifty-seven people were baptized last Sunday, and I think our pastor was baptized 57 times as well. Uh, we will baptize you anytime, any place. If you are one of those people, would you mind standing so we can celebrate with you today? Would you mind standing? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Well, I'm glad you're here today. I want to tell you, I don't have the best experiences on airplanes. I don't know about you, uh, but I had, about a year ago, I had the opportunity to go on our trip from Harborside to Israel. And it was amazing. It was life-changing. I got to see where Jesus walked and where he rose from the grave in the garden tomb and walked the streets of Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee where he walked on water and all these scenes that you read in the Bible, you got to be there. And it was amazing. But the most memorable part of that trip for me was actually the plane ride over. And here's why. I had the privilege of sitting next to this man. (laughs) Our friend Ethan Parker, he's so handsome. Um, So we sat next to each other, and here's the thing. The first two hours of that plane ride we had like a bromance moment. I mean, we were, we were talking about life and dreams and uh, our hopes and future and Harborside stuff. And Ethan's amazing because he's a dreamer and he's changing people's lives with his music. Uh, he leads Project Primavera. He's raising up mentors all over the United States to mentor young people who are in need. I mean, he's just a great guy. And so we're just connecting and talking. We've known each other for seven years, uh, but we got closer that moment. He tried to hold my hand. No, I'm just kidding. Too far. No, we, uh, we connected with each other, and you know, two hours with two guys emotionally connecting is like an hour and a half too long, right? And so we got tired, and we, we went to sleep, and we're two hours into this really long plane ride, and I was asleep for maybe an hour, and then I woke up, and I knew I was about to get sick. I mean, I was about to, to be sick right then and there. And I've been sick on an airplane before, and I don't like all the attention and people, you know, coming over and rubbing your head and making you feel better, and I don't like to cause a commotion. So my first thought is get to the uh, the restroom so I could get sick there. And of course, Ethan made me sit in the middle seat, so I had to slap him and get him up, and I woke him up, and his hair's all over the place, you know, and, and he wakes up. He stands up So I just dart for the the restrooms that are behind us, and they're both locked. People are in there. And hold on, it gets better. They're both locked. And it's in that moment where you know when you stand up too fast, and it just goes to your head, and you're just completely losing it, and you're weary, and you're drowsy. Well, that happened to me worse than it ever has before, and that is about the moment. I'm standing by the bathrooms, and I completely lose it. And I pass out fully, and I slam back into one of the bathroom doors. Ethan said, he embellishes, my eyes are rolling in the back of my head, and he thinks I'm dying. I slam into the bathroom door, and I slowly slide down, and just crumple over onto my face, completely out of it. And I just caught, like I didn't wanna cause a commotion, and I completely did. And I'm not kidding you. I didn't know this. Someone told me later. I'm out. I'm out cold for a few minutes. People come rushing over, and the flight attendant is freaking out. It's awesome. She just turns me over. She's slapping me in the face, trying to, like, she doesn't know it. She's not trained for that, you know. This airline will never forget Griffin Gilstrap. I think I'm on the list to be aware of when you, when you come on that plane. And I'm, I'm just out cold. But listen to this. Here's how I know God loves me, all right? The, the door that I slammed into, out of that door comes out a doctor. <laughs> you can't make that up. And I was actually blocking the door. He's banging on it like, what's going on? He can't get out. He comes out and he finds a box and he puts my feet on it so the blood rushes to my heart. I, I don't know what he's doing. And he starts taking my temperature and getting the blood pressure. I don't know who he is. All I can think about is, did this dude just wash his hands coming out of the bathroom? <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, what is going on? I'm just completely out of it. And I'm, I'm not kidding. We're in the middle of the, of the, you know, the aisle, and are they going to land the plane and all this stuff? And there's probably 15 people surrounding me, trying to help me. But then, Ethan Parker. You know, I ran over to the restroom. I'm not kidding you. I look up, you know, I sit up, and what I see over by our seats, like 10 feet away from me, doing nothing, is Ethan Parker. He's like combing his hair. I don't know what he's doing. You know, I mean, he's just sitting there. And, and to his credit, like, what do you do? You know, there's a doctor there, and he thought I was dying. He, he was really scared and all this stuff. Uh, but I remember my expectation was that he'd at least come over and pray for me. You're a worship leader, for goodness sakes, like, <laughs> sing a song of praise or healing. I don't know, something. You know, it was just it was such a mess. So finally, I slept on the floor for two and a half hours. I kid you not. I didn't want to move the, the snack carts hitting me in the head. People are stepping over me. It was a mess. And finally, Ethan does something. He comes over and he goes, oh, I have an idea, two and a half hours later. He comes over and he goes, my parents are sleeping up front in those beds. They're really nice. See, the people you don't like, you know, they're sleeping, they're sleeping in the beds really comfortable. And he's like, I want to go ask my mom uh, to, to switch with you. And I'm like like don't ask your mom like Ethan's dad if you don't know he's our senior pastor Kurt Parker he's my boss we work together and I'm like why don't you ask Kurt your dad can we know each other a little bit better I don't want to make your mom do that and I kid you not he looks at me he goes no I'm gonna ask my mom I don't think my dad will switch with you (laughs) (laughs) oh okay and like I, I don't know I believe Kurt Parker is a great man. He loves people. I think he would have switched. But he said that. I'm like, whatever, man. He, he, switched, he switches his mom and I. She was amazing. She let me go sleep there. And the best part of this, so I go and lay down. Kurt's asleep. And so there's like a little barricade, you know, <laughs> in between us. I, it's a true story. I lay down, I slept for like three, four hours, we're about to descend, he slept the whole time, just doesn't know what's going on, and all of a sudden, I see this head, kind of like Wilson from Home Improvement, you know, just, just looking over, and he looks at me with this look, and he goes, you're not Danita. Danita. <laughs> No, sir, I am not. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. So that, that was my plane ride to Israel. Just a complete mess. We finally made it, and it was good. But that was crazy. But I'll just, I'll never forget joking with Ethan about what he didn't do for me, right? And what do you expect in a friend to come over, come to your rescue, and help you in that situation? But I actually think when it comes to friends. When it comes to relationships, the people we do life with and uh, we live by, they're our neighbors, they're the parents of our kids, friends, all those people, it's not always easy uh, to fight for those friends. It's not always easy when it comes to the relationships we have with people because sometimes it gets messy and sometimes we face obstacles. Now, I don't know about you, but when you think of Friends, does anybody like this TV show, Friends, that will admit it? Wow, very good passion so you this is interesting 52 and a half million people tuned in to watch the series finale of friends and you knew what was going to happen ross and rachel would get together you still cried right because we love to invest even in tv shows about friends but when you think about friends maybe you think about these guys they're like the the bffs in hollywood right all the young people yay um Justin Timberlake, Jimmy Fallon, they love each other and they joke around. But we all know that not all friendships last, right? Some of them break apart and they don't work out. Things happen. The media loves to put that out there. But this is who came to mind for me. I don't know. Um, not, every, not every friendship lasts, right? I don't know what happened. Someone said something about their mom. I don't know. But they, uh, we're just going to move on from that. All right. Um, but not every friendship lasts, right? There's, there's obstacles that we face in our friendships. And in our story today, we're in Luke chapter 5. We're in this series. Is it worth fighting for? And we're talking about the idea of friendships and fighting for the people in our lives that God has put in front of us. That God has put around you at work, uh, in, in your kids' lives, and all around you. How do we fight for our friends? But I think it's, it's more difficult than that because, you know, in relationships, there are obstacles that we face. And sometimes things happen in our relationships and our friendships with people that cause us to question, are those people even worth fighting for? We have jobs. We have families. We have dreams. We have things that already pull from our time. What does it even look like to fight for friendships When there's so many obstacles facing those relationships, is it even worth fighting for? And I want to take you through three obstacles we face. If you want to open your app, you can download the Harborside app and put the notes in. You can watch the messages another time. But one of the obstacles I think we face is that maybe you've been hurt by the people you're closest with. You've had people in your life that you counted on, you wanted to rely on, you put their trust in them and And maybe you have people in your life that they suck the life out of you. You are investing more in them than they've ever given back to you. And maybe they haven't been loyal. You've had friends that have gone out of your life or done things that have let you down. And you could make a list. But maybe somewhere along the way, people you trusted, people you loved hurt you. And it's caused you to take a step back. Are these people worth investing in or are they worth fighting for because we've we've been hurt in our story today here's the scene you have Jesus who has left a town called Capernaum and he's done a few things for a few days and in that town he's been teaching and he's been healing and he's causing a stir people don't know what to do with this guy named Jesus he's giving sight to the blind and he's healing leprosy and all these things and everyone's wondering do we take him seriously and what is, he, what is he bringing to the table for us? And in this story, we have this man who's hurting. He's in a bad place. And the main characters of this story are this group of friends that see this man hurting and struggling. And they have to go on a journey to help this man. And they face obstacles all along the way that could cause them to stop fighting for their friend. And you see, before we even get to them, I think we learn something from Jesus when we come across obstacles. And it's what he did before he even started investing in other people. Look what he did. But Jesus often withdrew. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. He withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. And so before he even comes into this scene, before this part of the chapter even starts, Jesus is spending time with his heavenly Father, before he pours out to other people. And you see, oftentimes we we see obstacles with friendships because we're investing in people. And it's emotional capital. And it's tiring to walk through life with people's burdens and their struggles and their hardships. And, And it's hard to keep giving and loving and all those different things. And we need people pouring into us. We need to be loved on. We need to be prayed for. And I think Jesus knew that. There's a lot of obstacles in these relationships So he decided to be poured into by his heavenly Father before he even started pouring into someone else. And so one day Jesus was teaching after that, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were sitting there. And they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. You see, when you spend time with your heavenly Father, you receive something from him that then you're able to give other people that's not of yourself. And Jesus realized that. And so oftentimes, so he knew there were obstacles that he would face with people. People wouldn't like what he had to say and what he had to offer to them. He spent time with his heavenly father and he received the power from God so that he knew even if people tried to hurt him, God was with him. Maybe another obstacle that, that you face is you have people in your life it seems hopeless. You have people in your life that maybe you've tried to pour into and you've tried to love, and you find yourself having the same exact conversations over and over again. In this story, we find this man. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man. He carried him on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house and lay him. Before Jesus. So you have this scene. There's these men. Another gospel tells this story. It said four men were carrying the man later in the chapter. Uh, But there's other men that are involved. So they see this man. He's paralyzed. Some say he was paralyzed from birth. Some think he was paralyzed uh, later on in life. But these men have compassion. They see the man in need and they decide to do something. They take action. They see what's going on with him. And you know what I think is that all of us in the room, we have some people in our lives Maybe they're not paralyzed physically, but they're paralyzed in some place in their life. And there's people you know that they're stuck in a place of insecurity. They're stuck in a marriage that's not healthy. They're stuck in relationships that continuously hurt them and cause dissatisfaction and struggle. And the list goes on and on. Their self-image, addictions they find themselves stuck in. And you know people who are so paralyzed in life, they just can't move forward. And you start to feel the more you fight for them, the more frustrating it gets because you don't see anything happen. And you want to love them and you want to help them, but it just starts to seem hopeless. And then we start to ask ourselves, is it even worth fighting for people that don't even fight for themselves? It's kind of like when you turn the keys to the ignition in your car, but the battery's dead. And the more you try, the more frustrated you get. It's like us when we try to help people that aren't able to be helped. And it leads us to these obstacles. Do we even keep fighting for them? And maybe that leads to this. We find ourselves in a place we just don't know how to fight for people. These men carrying the paralyzed man on a map. They get to this house, and Jesus went to this man's house, and he's teaching, and so many people came from the village and all these places around them, and it was a sold-out crowd. There are people spilling out of the door. There's no room to even get into it. They faced the obstacle to get this man to Jesus, and when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they didn't know where to turn. They didn't know how to help. They didn't know what to do. You see, we all face obstacles with the people in our life. I remember way back in college, there was a, a guy that came to play soccer with us at the school, Stetson University, that I went to. He came all the way from England, and he was just a great guy. We were roommates for two years. We played together for four years. We still talk. He's about to have a baby. We've been close for a long time. But I'll never forget the conversation. Maybe four months in to our friendship, I somehow bring up that I'm a Christian. And I just snuck that in there somehow to see what would happen. And I go to church and all those things. And I'll never forget, the tone of the conversation changed completely. And he looked me right in the eyes. He said, you know what? The last thing my dad said to me before I came to America was, don't go getting into that God stuff because it's completely worthless. And his dad said, just focus on your school, focus on your sport, but do not let anyone bring you into that Christianity stuff, and so I heard that, and I'm like, so how about those books, you know, like what what do you do with that, and he just completely cut it off, he didn't want to talk about that, didn't want to be helped in the way that I thought I could help him, and sometimes we find ourselves in a place we don't even know how to help, people don't even want to be helped in our lives, and so we ask, there's so many obstacles, how do we fight for these people in our lives? And I think what God wants to show us in this story today is that, yes, there are obstacles in making an impact in people's lives, but there's a way that we can constantly see the people God's put in our lives as amazing opportunities for God to use us in their lives. And here's some opportunities I want to show you. And the first one is this, is that you and I and the people's lives around us, we have the chance To show amazing compassion. Watch what these guys do with the paralyzed man on the mat. They came across the crowd, it was an amazing obstacle. So they make a decision, they make a change. They went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles and into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, I want you to put yourself in the paralyzed man's shoes for a second. We don't hear a word from him. We don't even know if he wants to be in this position. These guys strap him onto a mat. I picture him being tied, like can't even move anything. And they're carrying him all the way to this house. And then they come across the crowd, and they start taking him up these stairs. And you can just imagine, like, the conversation. He can't fight for himself. He can't do anything. He's like, are you guys seriously taking me up the stairs? Like, what is your plan right now? And then they start ripping up the roof. And in those times, there were stairs leading up to the roof of these houses. And the roof was made of mud and straw, so you could just rip it up and make a hole in the roof. And he just starts seeing them, like, are you guys seriously tearing a hole in the roof? Like, what are you going to, you're lowering me through the roof right now. Like what? Are you going to drop me on my head? Like The Son of God is in there teaching people, and you're interrupting him for me. And there's, there's mud falling on people's heads, and they got there early enough to get a seat to listen to Jesus, and now you're just completely causing a stir. Everyone's going to hate me. Everyone's going to look at me and all these different things he might be thinking. We don't even know if he wanted to be there. But I just love that these men saw their friends. In such a place of need, their compassion compelled them to take action for him. Whether he wanted it or not, they had this idea that if they get him to Jesus, his life is going to change. And they didn't just say they wanted to help. They didn't just say we care about them and and we love him and we're going to pray for him. They did something about it. And it was the compassion inside of them that led them to do something so audacious and ruined the scene of what Jesus was doing. They were fighting with compassion for their friend. You see, the other opportunity we have that is so powerful is that you and I can stay faithful when it comes to the people in our life who need us the most. The coolest part of this story to me is how Jesus responds to the friends how Jesus responds to the men that brought this paralyzed man in front of him. So they've caused the scene. They've interrupted the teaching. And when Jesus saw, look at this, their faith, not the faith of a paralyzed man, not the faith of the man that needed help and needed healing and the one that was the focus of of being helped in this scene, when Jesus saw the faith of their friends, He said, friend, your sins are forgiven to the paralyzed man. Let's just stop for a second. These men were just fighting for this man. They had tunnel vision. They knew the only answer is to get him to Jesus. They were so led by their compassion. They had faith that, yes, there's obstacles, and yes, we have to go on a long journey to carry this man and all of his baggage and all of his burdens. But we know if we just get him to Jesus, everything will change. You know what I love in the Gospels? When I read about Jesus' life is, who did Jesus respond to the most? There's stories of Jesus going somewhere and stopping in his tracks when someone did something and, and he would heal certain people and re- talk to them and respond to them. And you know who it was? It was always the people that came to Jesus in faith. And these men are so faithful. They get him to Jesus. And Jesus is so compelled by their faith and their compassion that he, he takes action because of their faith. You know what he does? Look what he says. He forgives his sins, but look at what he calls their friend. He calls him his friend. And in Matthew and Mark, the other gospels that tell this story, they actually say Jesus looks at this man and he calls him son. Our faith is more powerful than we realize for the people in our lives. And, and sometimes I think people in our lives that are hurting and that they don't think they could even walk through these doors and be in a place like this and worship God and they're too dirty, they're too unclean, they're too far away from all of this God stuff. They're, they're never going to be good enough. Do you see how Jesus sees their friend? He looks at him straight in the eyes. He's paralyzed. He may not even want to be there. And he says, you are my friend. And it's their faith that releases the power of Jesus in this man's life. And I think if anything today, you and I should walk out of this room and realize our faith is more powerful in people's lives than we truly realize. Jesus responds to their faith and he forgives this man's sins. And so the other opportunity that we have is to be persistent. It is to be persistent. The end of this story says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that says he can forgive sins? Who speaks this blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were questioning Jesus. And the Jesus knew that they were thinking, and he asked, well, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. Jesus is about to prove who he is and the power that he has in these people's lives. And, but I, what I want you to know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. This is the culmination. Immediately. And you'll see that word all throughout the Gospels. When Jesus heals someone or he says something about healing someone, this word shows up. And it says, immediately. He stood up in front of them. The paralyzed man stood up in front of him, took what he had been lying on. He went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And it finishes by saying they were filled with awe. And they said, we have seen remarkable things today. You see, I think that God wants to continue to do remarkable things Today. And I think he wants to do it through the people who take opportunities, the people in in our lives. Yes, there are obstacles and yes, there are barriers to, to loving them and helping them. He wants to use us to show compassion, to be faithful, and to be persistent. I'll never forget again that there was another guy in college, kind of a different story. And he was a teammate of mine as well. He was a year older than me. And he was a Christian and in, in his junior year he actually quit our team. He walked away from the sport. He had a scholarship. He walked away from a lot of things. And I never understood why. And I found out later it's because he wanted to spend more time pursuing his faith. And at that time, to me, that was I, I couldn't believe it. And throughout our time together in college, he would often invite me to things. Uh, to go and experience the campus ministry and the lunches and Bible studies just to be around God's people. And time after time, I would say no. I would turn him down. I was a Christian at that point, but I kept God at an arm's length and I wasn't really investing too much in my faith. And he, he would invite me and then I'd say no. And like three months later, he'd invite me to something else and I'd say no. And I'd laugh at him for continuing to invite me. And then junior year came along. And he was a senior, and I was going through kind of a tough place with some things. And, and he comes up to me, and he just randomly says, Hey, you, Griffin, you should go on a mission trip with us. It's like a week-long trip with people I don't even know. It costs money and all these things. And for whatever reason, someone had been fighting for me and praying for me, and I just said, Yes. In that moment, I just said, Yeah, I'll do it. I need this. And I go on this trip with these Christian college students, and for the first time in my life, I find myself around people who are willing to fight for me, people who are praying for me, people who love me, people who care for me, people who would would talk in depth about my life and want to know what my future holds and my dreams, And, and for the first time, I connected with God's people, and it completely changed my life, and it was in that trip that I realized God wanted to use me for his kingdom, And it was that trip that put me on this path to pursuing being a pastor and and working with students and loving students and pouring my life out for young people to fall in love with Jesus Christ. But if it wasn't for that trip, more importantly, if it wasn't for that one guy who just made a decision to not give up on me, one invitation, one opportunity he took. To say, you need to do this. You need to be here. Completely changed my life. I think about the people in your life. You know what's great about that? Is the reason you're even in this room is because people fought for you. People had compassion on you. People had faith that if they just got you around Jesus that your life would change. They were persistent in inviting you and loving you and praying for you. We all have that story. But what about the people in your life? Who in your life needs your compassion? Who in your life needs you to be faithful that there's always room at the feet of Jesus, that we just want to guide them into a place like this to connect with their Heavenly Father? Who is it that needs you to fight for them? One guy. One guy. One invitation changed my life, and I think we can walk out of the room today with the faith knowing that we still have that same power to change other people's lives as well. Will you fight for the people in your life that no one else is fighting for? I want to ask you to stand, and the prayer partners can come forward, and I want to start today. And I want to ask you to think about one person in your life who's hurting. Maybe they're stuck and they're paralyzed in a place in their life and they have struggles and you've had the same conversations and you've faced obstacles with them and it's hard to keep investing in them. Who's the one person that needs you to keep fighting for them? Because when we have faith and we have compassion and when we are persistent, God changes Lives. And so I want you to think about that one person right now. I want to pray over every single one of them and ask God to do a mighty work in their lives. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We thank you that Jesus took on the cross, he gave up his life, and he fought for us. You fought for us, God. You set the tone for what it looks like to fight for your friends. And God, we have people all around us, they can seem like obstacles. But, God, they are amazing opportunities. God, we lift these people up, and we pray that we can have compassion, that we can stay faithful, and that you will give us the courage to be persistent, to love them, to invite them, to pray for them, and to meet their needs in the ways that we can. Because when our faith meets your power, you change lives. And may you do that in the friends that we have who desperately need to know that you see them as a son and a daughter, and you see them as a friend. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys.